0: Okay, I have an announcement. I've written a children's book and it's on Amazon and I never sat about to say, hey, I'm going to be a children's book writer. This is a story that came to me in the middle of the night. Um, I think I had a little fever. It was pre-COVID in like November of 2019 and it was one of those kind of things that just came to me. And so I needed an artist because I am not an artist and this is a little kid's book. And So I asked around and found a friend of a friend named Liza Donovan who you're about to meet and she is world class. And as you'll hear, she won uh, an art competition. Her poster was one of like only four or five that was the official poster of the Women's March in uh, I believe January of 2017. Uh, So her poster has been used all over the world, and her art for this book is just spectacular. And it was really a a collaboration, and it was just delightful, working with Eliza Donovan. The the book is called Sophia Loves Tortillas. Uh, It's a book about a little girl and her curiosity, and also it ends up being about saying thank you to a whole bunch of people by tracing back to where her tortillas came from, including eventually to say thank you to the creator of all things for the food we eat. So it's a sweet little book. It did not come from me. Stuart wasn't being clever. It just came to me. It didn't come from me. Um, so I hope you enjoy hearing from the artist who made it all real, without whom it would not be possible, Liza Donovan.
1: Just the idea of not
2: being better or less than anyone else. What is the sound of One Man Listening? This is Man Listening, a fresh podcast featuring the stories of strong women who bounce back. Man Listening, because every woman deserves to be heard. Hey there, I'm Stuart Watson, welcome to Man Listening.
0: Talked to Liza Donovan in the backyard of her new home. She's purchased a home in Durham, North Carolina. No easy feat, I know, because my youngest daughter just did it. Um, It's a crazy real estate market out there. And um, as a, may I say, middle-aged woman, Liza is a first-time homeowner, and so we sat in her backyard, and she's so proud of her home, and we talked about art and how she became an artist and the artistic sort of mindset and how she creates. What a fun conversation. Eliza Donovan. Where were you born?
1: I was born in Brunswick, Maine.
0: Hospital or home? Hospital. For your mother, your number, what of how many?
1: I am number, what order? Birth yeah, order? birth order. I'm the middle child, number two yeah. out of three
0: the classic middle child is felt unseen, forgotten, had to compete for attention, blah, blah, blah. Guilty. W- it does?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. I kind of follow that stereotype.
0: Yeah. When you were two years old, your personality was what? Little Liza two was what? At like two and three oh, years old goodness. before the world got to you.
1: Gotcha. I mean, Definitely innocent, you know. Just curious, a little bit adventurous, um, a little shy,
0: a little quiet,
1: a little bit, a little bit quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, a little bit mischievous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what did your dad do?
1: My dad was an attorney. He, um, when I was very little, he was a criminal defense lawyer. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, did that really... interest you? Yes, um, more so in later years, and I really wish I had talked to him more about it.
0: And your mother, what was she like? What did she do?
1: Yeah, she was um, a school teacher. Her mother was a school teacher, and her father was a principal and superintendent.
0: Did she read to you? Did your dad read to you when you were little?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, I don't have super distinct memories of it, but I know that they did. I know my mom did. Um, Yeah, I wish I had better memories of that.
0: Your favorite picture book as a little kid.
1: I don't know, but I know that as I got older, I think looking back on like Eric Carle's books. Like the Very Hungry really, Caterpillar. Yeah, yeah, and it's all like cut out paper, I think the artwork is, like that was pretty fascinating.
0: Now, being from Maine originally, I have <laughs> yeah. to ask you about Blueberries for Sal and... Uh,
1: yes, we had all those books. It's um, Robert
0: McCloskey, right? Yeah. And Make Way for Ducklings is probably the, the best known.
1: It might be. I feel like Blueberries for Sal was the one that I, maybe that was just what was in our, more prominent in our household or whatever, but that's the one I heard about most. And then what's the other one that's really popular? Make way for ducklings, Blueberries for Sal and One Morning in Maine.
0: One Morning in Maine. Yeah. And one of them, there's the bear. Yeah. They stumble upon the bear. They're having Yeah. That's
1: blueberries for salad. And the
0: other one, um, what my wife loves is they're digging clams.
1: Oh, yes.
0: She's got her little rubber boots on and they're out digging clams. That might be... Yeah.
1: Make way for the ducklings.
0: No. One Morning in... One Morning in Maine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a really nice one.
0: Now, what I like about them, and you say what you like, I like that it's um, real, that these drawings are not some sort of cartoon, you're like, oh, that could be me. I could be out doing yeah. that. As a little kid, you were like, well, I, I could do that with my parents. Yeah. You know?
1: I, I really like his style, Robert McCluskey. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he wrote them too. He wrote and illustrated them. But um, yeah, his characters of the little girl, Sal and the others are just, they're they're, they're really great. They really capture, I don't know, some kind of curiosity and, I don't know, just just the essence of the wonder, being little.
0: Yeah, to, to little kids, it could be a cardboard box. It's an adventure. Yes. It could be a stick, it's an adventure. Yeah. It could be a mud puddle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's, it's like you don't need Disney World. It's just go outside, you know? You're yeah. always finding worms or something.
1: Yeah, a tiny little microcosm is like, can be an entire world, an entire like landscape. Um, it's always seductive to me anyway, to, to tell a story by way of animals. I mean,
0: yeah, it's just. It's also very difficult to be um, like a, Ponderous intellectual. When you're reading these, <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to be able to laugh.
1: Yeah.
0: At the human condition. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If you're reading a book called Everyone Poops, it's hard <laughs> to argue that you're the exception.
1: <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Everyone is pretty absolute. <laughs>
0: You mean the Queen of England? <laughs> you mean the Pope? <laughs> Even me. How did you fall in love with art?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, kind of goes through different phases through the years, but um, so this isn't visual art, but I remember in kindergarten, I have very specific memories of. Um, so I I, I dance for a long time and that is also like a discipline that makes me happy and gives me the same type of joy that illustrating does it's just a different discipline right and so there was this little thing that we did in the afternoon we didn't do it very often but um, we would all get in a little circle and the teacher would play this record <laughs> I need to try and look it up on YouTube again but it was basically like if you're wearing a vest please stand up or you know and it would go through all the types of clothes and so if you were wearing a vest that day or a skirt or whatever it was you got to stand up and dance (laughs) and that was my favorite thing to do like it just got so ecstatic when we got to do that activity and I don't know I don't know I think um just the what else? You know, when I was in, (laughs) this is a little bit of a different story, but when I was in nursery school, um, and I I don't have a memory of this, but this was later when I looked back at this picture I had drawn, and I had drawn (laughs) a person with their arms sticking out of their heads. (laughs) 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 And later when I looked at that, I can't remember how old I was. I was a little bit horrified, like, whoa, does that mean that like I can't be an artist if I don't, you know, and I was only three or four, and I think it's just funny, right? Like, you can draw, you can see the world the way that you want to see it as a kid, and you can draw arms sticking out of heads if you want to, and then, you know, you learn how to do it the right way, and then you can go back to doing that. You know, you sort of deconstruct later in life. You know, if you want to draw arms coming out of heads later, you can sure do that.
0: How about in high school, what kind of art were you practicing in high school
1: uh, in high school i you know there wasn't there wasn't a ton going on in high school. I would say when I was eleven and twelve, I did some painting at home and um, there you know I would had a white pair of sneakers once and I would draw flowers all over that um you know, some little crafty projects at home. In high school, there wasn't a ton going on. And then it was the interest picked up again in college.
0: Did your parents encourage this art?
1: Yeah, my dad really did. Um, After he saw my sneakers, and of course he just thought that was the greatest thing. (laughs) Um, And so I think he bought me some acrylics after that and some canvas and got to do a little bit of painting but another thing that comes to mind which is a really good memory um when i was let's see how old were we must have been like 10 9 10 11. um had two really good friends shannon smith and heidi dixon and we would do the window painting contest for halloween um, and we did that for three years in a row, and I think we would often win. <laughs> now that I'm thinking of it too, we did little dance routines <laughs> for the talent show.
0: <laughs> it was a multimedia we a trio. This, was a, this was an event. <laughs> yeah. This was a happening.
1: <laughs> yeah, this was a little art um, trio. And so, yeah, I just have really good memories of doing the Halloween paintings on shop windows.
0: So where'd you go to college?
1: I went to Skidmore College in upstate New York. And, good um, school. Yeah, it is a good school. I, r- I really, yeah, I enjoyed that. And when I went to look at the school and I walked, we got the tour through the art studio. I was like, this is where I want to be. And um, it's funny because I did want to major in art and I started out. And um, I ended up not doing that because it felt a little too unstructured to me. Like I wasn't ready I needed I needed more structure and so I did my English major I didn't have a vision I wasn't clear that scared me it scared me at that time Um, The money well well for sure but no just the just the idea of like knowing just I didn't have a vision of what I wanted to do I needed to figure out who I was a little bit better until I could do kind of follow that just on my own.
0: Have you figured out who you are?
1: (laughs) Darn it, I shouldn't have said that because (laughs) I knew that was gonna lead into this question as soon as I said it. That's such a good question. I think like yes and no, and maybe that's the answer that I'll give until I die, but. um,
0: What have you figured out?
1: What have you figured out? Well, you know, I don't think my values have ever changed. Like, I think that has, like that has been clear to me all along like how to treat people and um, how to treat everyone the same and you're not better than or less than anyone else like that hasn't shifted but I think it is hard for me sometimes to figure out you know I'm an introvert and so I um, I know who I am more when I'm by myself and then when I get out there like I'm really good one-on-one pretty good one-on-one and then when more people get involved I start getting overwhelmed and then I don't know as much like where I stand or who I am as much so still working on that
0: do you paint or draw now just for you?
1: I do. um, Haven't been doing it so much lately in the past few months because I bought a new house and all of my time is going to that, which is also another, you know, it's a a whole other fun, creative project, um, you know, like interior design, and that's really fun. But I I do, yeah, I've been doing digital drawing lately because it is easier. (laughs) I like to pull out the paper and have that, just kind of tactile experience, but I, I have to admit that it's just like it's just so easy to pull out my iPad. Um, but yes, I, sometimes I feel compelled to draw things. Like something will pop in my head, and I feel like I need to do it. You know, that doesn't happen all the time though. Um, and if I am committed to being consistent about it, then I just have to do it. You know, even if there's nothing in my head, like I have to find something just to keep the the habit going
0: tell me the story of the poster contest for the women's March Mm, so how did you get involved in all that and how'd you come up with the design because it's it's really neat
1: yeah I think it was one of five official winners for the women's March in 2017 January right after um, Trump was elected and the women's March on Washington was taking place and Um, That was a really, it was a really good experience. I, in some ways, came across it, but not by accident. A friend of mine that I used to work with, she sent me a link, I think, on Instagram to this poster contest, and it was getting towards the end of the deadline, or towards, you know, there wasn't a lot of time left to do something, and I really wanted to do something for it because it was starting to have a lot more meaning to me with um the election and so i i worked on it i don't you know i don't know exactly where how i came up with the idea and to describe it it is um you know a sort of revolution fist a black fist and uh arms wrapping around that in solidarity of different colors and uh then it morphed into a flame, and from there the dove comes out of the flame, and you know, kind of transformative. You know, feet on the ground, uh, becoming something more divine, I guess, like having a higher um, purpose.
0: Well, let me just say one thing. You you typically think of a fist. I think of a fist as a male and b violent, and so you're appropriating a like what has been a, a kind of a violent symbol or a symbol of um, like raw power exerting violent power and then you're coupling it with uh, a flame and a dove i mean suffice it to say there's got to have been a ton of entries and they picked that one so it obviously struck a chord yeah I find myself wanting to say, where did it come from? Like, do you think that these? You know, we hear about the muse, and the muse is like female. Some people say God spoke to me. Other people say they just they just like channeled something. So, so where do you think it came from?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's just the the transformation, a little bit of just you know, figuring out more about the history of our country and realizing that historically black women have been at the forefront of activism, you know, of feminism, of being the um, the movers and the shakers of action. And so that's that was how it started. And then everything else came from that. Yeah, I mean, it, that was an incredibly, maybe this is going to sound weird, but incredibly humbling experience to... to To win that, and to be a part of that, and um, to to have that all come together, where that was something that was um, pertinent, and you know, visually, I guess, um, a, a visual symbol of what was going on at that time. So, and you know, there was. I saw that after all of the marches were happening and the sister marches around the world that, you know, there were people carrying my sign in Poland and Sweden and some other places. I can't even think of all of them. I think Ghana. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a little, it was a little crazy. It was wonderful.
0: What marches did you go to?
1: I went to the one in Washington. Um, it felt like that was something I needed to travel to do. And um, I went with a couple friends and it was pretty incredible. It was, uh, it was so crowded. Like when we actually got to the march proper, like we couldn't, <laughs> we weren't marching. It was hard to move because there were too many people. <laughs> um, so we were just kind of shuffling, but that was also amazing because there were so many people there. Um, and then going back to my friend's apartment afterwards to watch just how many people there were and to realize that there were so many other sister marches happening. It was just like, you know, in the sea, seeing the sea of pink of the pussy hats. So that was, it was just pretty incredible. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist.
2: As a wife, mom, therapist, and all around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life and sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with.
1: Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children.
0: In the workplace, particularly in some workplaces, they're all different. How do you deal with men? Like, how do you relate with men? Particularly if someone's like a male boss, that's got to have evolved mm-hmm. over time too. so ha- what have you learned and
1: yeah this is this is such a good question, and it, it might be a little tough to navigate because so it is it's not only how um, bosses or male bosses may have bech- changed their behavior but it is how. I change my behavior too you know because i can be a real people pleaser and so i have a certain you know mo where like i don't want to you know in some realms i think i'm like a rebel and i challenge authority but like in other realms the opposite can be true and so i can be fairly fairly compliant sometimes and so the way i think you know not only like Talking about femininity and the role in the workplace and the role in all of the situations in our lives, you know, it's not just like everybody changes, right? My behavior changes when I have more awareness about it. And so it is me going, oh, yeah, I am as smart as other people. And, um, you know, so it can be a very personal thing. But, uh, you know, that being said, I typically i think maybe intuitively find workplaces that have a more forward-thinking less male-centric structure
0: might be a little easier to do now with everybody working at home
1: yeah it's true Uh, it's very different working remotely than it is um, having the sort of office dynamic dynamic yeah
0: Have you worked in projects where it was all women? Or almost all women?
1: Yeah, I have. Um, There was, when I was living in Charlotte and working for, uh, working in a design situation there, there were, at least my department, it was all women, so three designers. Um, And that was really lovely. Uh, And not that it can't be lovely working with men, but, It just, it flowed so easily. And of course that depends on the person, you know, whether male or female. But, um, you know, the combination of these, of us three ladies was supportive, you know, and sometimes it's not in a design situation because people get competitive because it's creative. Um, But so it was both supportive, drama-free, collaborative at times, and just kind of, i don't want to say like all business because it was fun too but you know it was i guess in the vein of like drama free it was really lovely
0: yeah i mean i must say that i've i've worked for women that every bit is toxic you know and belittling and bullying and that kind of thing and it's just like that they had to get where they were they had adopted yes the complete You know the the they're like well okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna outboy the boys you know i'm gonna
1: no and i have had that experience as well the opposite of the one i just talked about where it is yes scramble to get to the top and petty and then it, it, it they do adopt that male behavior but it also can look a little bit differently with women right like it can get a little cattier and yeah so that can happen too and yeah. yeah, it doesn't look good.
0: So you and I met because I have a friend, Tom, and also a friend, Leanne, and I was looking for an artist yes. uh, for a, a children's illustrated book called Sophia Loves Tortillas. Apropos of what we're talking about, nine characters centers around a little girl and her mom eating tortillas and then to say thank you to everyone who contributed to the tortillas. And um, so, kind of a simple premise, but two thirds women, six women and three men, mm-hmm. um, only two white guys. Like, the story evolved while we were working on it, but so, like, when you heard the story, what'd you make of Sophia?
1: Yeah, well, I love, first of all, I love a project like this. Thank you for coming to me. Uh, Thank you was
0: for doing
1: really it. Really fun. Yeah, and I love a project like this because I, um, sure, I like doing some art by myself, but like a collaborative project um, is really fun because you can't, you know, you can't get the same result with just one brain. You know, it's like I build off of what you do and back and forth a little bit too. Sophia, um, what struck me about her was her, like she drives the story, right? So it, it was her, her quest, you know, to find answers and to get to the end, although she may not have realized that that's what she was doing, but just by asking, well, then who? Then who did? Then who did? Um, and so her curiosity, her tenacity, right? Because she, she and her mom can't always go to the next person because they're a couple hundred miles away. So her mom says, okay, well maybe next time we see your cousins or relatives and she could have just forgotten and her mom probably wouldn't have brought it up again (laughs) (laughs) but
0: she But
3: she didn't forget she just
1: kept going so her tenacity um to to figure out you know where it went next and whether it was and I think there are lots of little things in there right like she is probably extroverted right like she liked talking to people and talking to adults and she just kept asking what's next and why and where and who and yeah all of those questions and in some ways I feel like it starts out at least maybe for the adult right through the mom's eyes that it's kind of like a little bit of like okay, I'll answer your next question. And then like, we'll move on to she's something sighing. Else.
0: She's right. sighing, she's she more sighing more than once.
1: Yeah, like, okay, <laughs> now this is throwing a wrench into our day. And then, you know, for, for Sophia, it's exciting all the way through, it's an adventure. And for the adult, the mom, but possibly the adult reader too, it's kind of like, okay. But then, you know, it goes on and I think you know, where it ends up, it might be a little, um, well, the adventure is something that is exciting, but you know, it transforms a little bit, right? Because we get to the farmer and then it's like, well, okay, this is the end, this is the end of the line, but you know, I didn't grow this corn and I didn't do this, like this was God. And so there's um, something deeper in it also for the adult and um, for everyone, right? There's spirituality, and it wasn't necessarily... You didn't really know that at the beginning. So, yeah, I think that it has that to it, and...
0: Um, and to me, each of these thank yous is simply an acknowledgement of how things work. Mm-hmm.
3: You know?
0: Uh, an acknowledgement of there that there is a mysterious force at the end of things, and mm-hmm. at the very beginning of things, and... Um, Plato called it the unmoved mover. And so we've developed this shorthand for it, right, which is just God.
3: Uh-huh.
0: It can also be called the Tao, the way, or whatever, mother nature, life force, source, energy, whatever. So we can be grateful for that. And it strikes me that we just have to acknowledge, you know, that all, this food would not be on our plate without many, many hands, and many of them black and brown, Mm -hmm. bringing them to us. And that that's simply an acknowledgement.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it is a discovery and it is quite amazing that 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 many, there are that many moving parts and that many people and um, that it is that involved. You know, when each person Says hello and then gives credit to the next person, like tips it to the next person. And that's kind of lovely too. Um,
0: it's the opposite of the self made man. Yeah. It's the acknowledgement that it's, there's no such thing. I didn't make me. Right. I can't take credit for me.
1: Yeah, and I didn't do this all by myself. And then it stops there. And, um, you know, I'm part of this process and you know it's kind of it's a about community.
0: And a part of an incredibly intricate web. Yeah. Um, My daughter quoted an artist and I'm sorry I don't know the name who said we are delicately interconnected.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: And to me the great mystery and awe and wonder is We are connected in ways we don't even understand.
1: Yeah. And one couldn't happen without the other. And each um, step along the way, that, you know, is, is, there's a, it's done by a person. Each step is, um, you know, there's a human there involved, not just a machine. And
0: And the other thing is, in this day and age in which, all the labor, you know, manual labor, intellectual labor feels like it's part of a machine. This is a way of acknowledging the humanity and our basic human need, which is food. Mm-hmm. And that food and food service is such an incredibly complicated thing. Mm-hmm. And here you have mm-hmm. this little simple girl mm-hmm. who's just going from one A to B to C to D. and. Um, acknowledging in a human way. It makes, me, it makes me tear up even now. So how'd you set about to um, draw, particularly Sophia, because the real Sophia's grown up now. We can't go and meet a little girl. And so I hired Aviana Corcoran mm-hmm. through uh, a Charlotte modeling agency, talent modeling, to do act as kind of the body double or the mm-hmm. stand in. um and then we took some photographs of sophia as a little kid cutest little kid with the big brown eyes and the brown hair you know yeah and um and we used the two of them aviana and sophia sanchez zarate to how did you go about creating the character who is who is an amalgamation
1: yeah, so it was a couple of different things, right? Like um, again, like what I was just talking about with Bethlehem, it's the real Sophia and it's, you know, the body positions, the mannerisms of the young model, but also the character of Sophia in the book, right? So those things all melded together but you know it is again it's like the curiosity the wonder the very the um I think excitable quality of Sophia which that like that that drives the whole narrative right of um wanting to know the next thing and so you know like vivaciousness that that is what I that's what I thought about most the curiosity the wonder and the vivaciousness
0: technically the book (laughs) is classified as a, a juvenile fiction action-adventure <laughs> because it's, it's like she goes on a little field trip.
1: Yes, <laughs> a very long field
0: trip. <laughs> it's protracted over a number of months Yeah, with her mom introducing her to these things, which to us would be like a food warehouse, a trucker, uh you know we're like uh yeah of course a a farmer (laughs) in his in his tractor in his field of corn and she finds great wonder in these characters you know who are explaining a little something to her
1: yeah yeah it, it makes me think of the um one of her stances which still kind of cracks me up a little when I open to that page where she's standing in front of William and she has her hands on her, on hips. her hips because, because again, like she is, um, you know, she's driving the story, she, you know, she's just, she's got to find out about it. So, and you just think about a little three, four-year-old talking to an adult, you know, one of those kids that feels comfortable talking to an adult um, and so she's got to, she's got to find the answers. <laughs>
0: You have another, speaking of body language, and this is what we use on the dedication page. Um, I've had four kids, and so when I think about talking to kids, some people, when they talk to kids, do not bend over, Uh and like do not get on their level. They look down, Yeah. the adults who will stand up and look down at the kid, or talk, literally talk down to them, and some people Will bend at the waist. Mm
3: -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Um, But Sophia's mother, um, when she's listening to her daughter, she drops to one knee. You Mm -hmm. have her drop to one knee. Yeah. Um, And that's very affecting to me because it's the kind of thing that moms will do, that my wife would do, et cetera, that I wouldn't necessarily always think to do Mm -hmm. and that is to get down to them to be able to look to them eye to eye Mm. it takes dropping to your knee which is a humbling it's a humbling kind of a thing and sometimes as a dad I would be like I don't have time for that Mm -hmm. so you're not yourself a mother but you noted that body language and it's very affecting Mm -hmm. to see because the body language in your drawing articulates the relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I
0: love that. I love that.
1: Yeah, and I think it, um, like that is just after the irritation, the slight <laughs> irritation surpasses. A Little <laughs> frustration. <laughs> or, yeah, a little bit like, what? what is this? And then her mother realizes that this this is gonna go on and this is important to her, right? And so I think her uh, slight irritation her slight frustration subsides and she's on board you know she's committed and she wants to facilitate um following this through so yeah she gets into it and she comes to an understanding so then she is able to get down on her level and kind of see it through sophia's eyes, eyes
0: i had a practical question Um, You're dealing with someone uh, here who's biracial, both uh, Mm -hmm. Japanese and African American. Um, You're dealing with people who are um, Mexican Americans and also a woman who's from South America, from Ecuador, um, who play these various roles and also a woman who is literally an African American. She's a naturalized American citizen from Ethiopia. And so the woman from Ecuador has the, like, the, the the Hispanic, the very, the pale Spanish, European uh, skin. How did you negotiate skin tones in this? Because most of the book is black and white with splashes of color. How did you negotiate the various skin tones in, in trying to uh, have an accurate representation?
1: Yeah, uh, that's, well, delicately, right, because not, only um, figuring out what tone and what color to use, but then how is that gonna to translate to the printer? Because just in general, colors um, can be really problematic from the screen to the printer, and it's so variable. It's we should so,
0: say, you were composing yeah. on what? What were you using to compose? Yeah,
1: I, I did this um, these illustrations on my iPad And so, um,
0: what, what program
1: may I, yeah, in, uh, procreate. Okay. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure what to do because it is mostly in black and white. There's, you know, pops of orange, but then, you know, we had a conversation at some point, you know, that like, I don't, I don't want to leave darker skin tones, just white paper because I mean, I I think that's okay because it's, it's the style, but you know, we wanted some of that to be representational to, um, to pay attention to that. And so that's what we did. We left, um, some skin tones white and darker skin tones in color. And when the book came the other day, like I was pretty pleased with how that actually translated. So that was, I think that that worked. Um, yeah. And just that we wanted to be, um, we wanted to pay attention to that.
0: Yeah. It it, it struck me as an afterthought. This was not intentional. I, I love the way my friends look, but I I cast them because they, they have an interesting look to them. Mm. There's a very, like every person is distinct. Um, Mm -hmm. that's one of the really good things is people can recognize themselves in your drawings. Yeah. Nobody said, is that supposed to be so-and-so? Nobody said that,
3: <laughs> <Good>.
0: <laughs> which is, you know, the mark of a really good artist is when people instantly are like, you nailed her. You, know, you absolutely nailed the, the image. And that makes it real, you know, that makes these people real. It mm-hmm. doesn't make it a, a cartoon.
3: Yeah.
0: So, you know, kudos for that. How'd you pull that off?
1: (laughs) How did you? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it it, it was a little bit hard because it's not just, it's not, so you wanted the illustrations to be, um, to look real, but not photorealistic real. So, you know, there was some stylization going on with that. So yeah, I mean, that can be kind of tricky for sure. Uh, Marshall has a very distinct look. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, you just got to get at it until you get the essence and then kind of...
0: He has this very distinctive look and he wears this red bandana all the time. Yeah. So you, you get that. You yeah, know.
1: definitely. He has and, that signature look.
0: And the pop of color of orange following you throughout the book is inspired. And Yeah. So, were you just playing around? Did you think about doing it full color? In a way, it forces you to pay more attention to it mm-hmm. than if it were yet one another. I mean, we're so flooded with 4K, 8K television now. I mean, mm-hmm. we're so flooded that when you have a book, it, it's almost, it makes it stand out.
1: Yeah, it is a little bit different. Um, I am someone who typically doesn't work with that many colors at one time. I usually, usually the most I do is three. For some reason for me, like beyond that feels a little much, although that might be changing a little, but I feel comfortable with three or two. And so, um, and also some of the inspiration for the style was Robert McCluskey now it's not you know it doesn't look that similar but um but you wanted a similar ish style to that so i was looking at those and those don't have a lot of color and so i think i was influenced by that and just the way that i work with color anyway and then from there it was oh but then what if there was this you know striking orange color in there you know that's a little different
0: yeah it's artistic it's yeah Mm -hmm. i really like that and then there's the one page and this was intentional Mm -hmm. the only page that does not have human characters and there there's no human there's no person on that page um is the stand of corn the field of corn and it's also the the big reveal that at the end of this thank you process is the ultimate life force, is that only God can make the corn grow. Mm-hmm. Only this life force. So really, if you want to say thanks, it takes you all the way back to the dinner table. You mm-hmm. know That you can thank all the people. It's good to do that, but you may not have liked that idea. I don't know what you thought of that idea, because I kind of bigfooted that. I kind of insisted.
1: Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing about collaboration, right, that I was talking about, is that, like, I probably wouldn't have thought to do that myself or maybe even thought that it was a good idea, and at first I was sort of like, hmm, I don't know how that's going to work, but I think a lot of times when someone feels that way, they're you know, I contemplated it a little bit and I thought, yeah, that is a good idea, that could work. Um, And I I do think it it works and you know, it is, yeah, it's the culmination of all of those hands in there together down to God's handiwork and it um, it was a good page to do that on.
0: If you had to say that Sophia Loves Tortillas was about one thing, what is your one sentence synopsis
1: i think it is about following your curiosity um you know not sort of controlling that process following uh following a thought an idea um an interest to uh discover something and 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 it becomes this sort of uh journey of gratitude
0: Gratitude is the word I would use. We didn't even talk about Nikki, who lives right here in Durham yes. across town.
1: She's a great character. I really enjoyed drawing her and her tattoos and the fact that she's a female truck driver. And and it's just normal. And, yeah, she's a, she's a really good character.
0: Yeah. And she's very, uh, she has this open expression, yes. you know, yeah. and the short cropped hair and the, and the bandana and the... And um, the tattoos were, um, they, they really, the sleeve, you know, mm-hmm. the sleeve really stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that and I love her. And she was completely jacked about, you know, getting copies and she yeah. has nieces and nephews, but she has friends in Europe and she was like, is it for sale in Europe? I said, well, I think Amazon <laughs> is in Europe. So that's so super cool. Yeah, Well, I, I appreciate it. and I. I value, you know, what you brought to it. It ended up working out just great. And
1: Yeah, who, I mean, it was a journey for us, too. Yeah. You know.
0: I always ask people the same thing. Uh, if we got struck by lightning today and the only thing that survives mm-hmm. was this little bit of digital audio, um, what is your legacy?
1: I find this a hard question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way. Yeah. What values did you celebrate in that? poster for the women's march what yeah what values
1: I mean I think you know equality uh, for all races and for genders and um, you know just change change being in the air around that just the idea of not being better or less than anyone else
0: and the fact that you promoted that in such a high profile way across the world. I really just wanted to honor and acknowledge that. Thank and
1: thank you. And
0: say thank you. And thank you for doing this. I know you didn't want to, <laughs> Liza. I
1: know. <laughs> thank you, Stuart. But I really it. appreciate it. Mm-hmm.
0: If you're curious about the book, it's called Sophia with an F, S O F I A. Sophia loves tortillas. And a little secret, I wrote it under my original birth name, the name on my original birth certificate, which is B.B. Bowen. Initial B, initial B, Bowen. B O W E N. Um, To just kind of, that's more of a kid friendly name and a different sort of pen name or persona. So Sophia Loves Tortillas, B.B. Bowen, available online, on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, uh, the independent bookseller websites. Um, you can get it there as well. I hope you like it.
2: Man Listening is a production of Unmediated LLC in cooperation with the Queen City Podcast Network and Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative and Rachel Clapp Miller are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. Please go to our Patreon page. You'll find us at patreon.com. Look for man listening one word, no spaces. We hope you'll join us by becoming a member. A small investment can raise up the conversation. If you want exclusive member merch like a t-shirt, we can arrange that too.
0: A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported Man Listening from the very beginning. We're going to be changing our name soon in the month of July. Um, But you guys who've stuck with us through 128 episodes in 128 weeks. Each week a new episode, not missing a beat. Thank you.
2: Don't forget to support us at Patreon. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks.